If you're gonna be a successful investor, at some point you're gonna to have to learn how to apply uh, financial ratios into the analysis that you do of either the companies or the ETFs that you own. In this video today, we're gonna to look at one of the most common ratios, the price to earnings ratio. And this is something that every investor has heard about. It's commonly refers, referred to as a PE ratio. Uh, in the video today, we're gonna to look at what a PE ratio is. We're gonna look at the advantages and the disadvantages that it can give to us. Uh, we're gonna look at what I call the, the three misses, the mistakes that investors make, the misinterpretations, and the misunderstandings of what a ratio like this can do for you. I hope you stick around for the Before I get into the meat of the video today, I will be using quite a few charts and graphs to try and explain the concepts and give you some examples of how you would or wouldn't use the price to earnings ratio. The platform that we use at the Investing Academy is Coifin. That's our go-to charting platform. You're going to see a lot of examples of their, of their um, charting capabilities and their research capabilities today. Uh, we've recently struck up an affiliation with Coifin and in the description below, I will put a link. If, if you're interested in learning more about the platform itself, they do have free versions. They do have paid versions of their charting capabilities. Uh, feel free to click on that below. Uh, also speaking of the Investing Academy, the first link down below will be uh, a link to our investing academy if you want to learn more about that. Lastly, this is going to be the first in a series of financial ratios videos. I believe that uh, to be a successful investor, you really do need to know how to apply these metrics to the evaluations you're doing of a company. Price to earnings is going to be today. The next video I'm going to do is either going to be uh, sort of the uh, the assister to the PE ratio, which is the PEG ratio, the price to earnings to growth ratio. It's sort of an enhanced version of the price to earnings or price to book, another very valuable uh, metric that you will probably want to use in your evaluations. I'm going to take my lead from you. Uh, drop a comment below, leave, um, uh, let me know whether you'd prefer the PEG ratio, price earnings to growth, or whether you'd prefer the price to book for my next video, and I will, or my next video on ratios, and, and I will uh, take that into account, I'll look through, and whatever is the most highly voted, that's what I'm gonna go to. But let's get started with the price to earnings. So first of all, let's look at what the PE ratio is. Uh, it is one of the most popular, most widely used, ratios that does provide a rule of thumb to determine whether a company you're interested in is either overvalued or undervalued. Generally speaking, if a company has a low PE ratio, it's thought to believe that the company is over or sorry, undervalued. Conversely, if a company has a high PE ratio, it's thought to believe that that company may be overvalued. But of course, it's not that simple. There's a lot of things we have to factor in. Let's cover those off right now. First, I'll just ask a question. If you have two companies, so these companies make widgets, and I'm gonna call company A, Widget Co. A, and it trades currently at $10 a share, or you have a company called Widget Co. B, which trades at $50 per share. If I ask the simple question, which one of those um, is cheaper, not from a dollar perspective, but a cheaper uh, company to buy, a lot of people are just gonna to default to that 10 versus 50, and say, well, I would rather buy the $10 share, it's obviously cheaper than the $50 share. Of course, it's not quite that simple. A price to earnings ratio is what's called a, val a relative valuation. So it measures the current share price against the relative earnings that that company makes. So the, the share price in and of itself doesn't tell much of a picture. You have to look at what you're willing to pay 
and what the, the profits or what the earnings are from that company to make a proper evaluation. If a company has a PE ratio of 15, that basically means that an investor is willing to pay $15 for $1 worth of earnings. Another way that investors commonly describe this ratio is if you paid $15 a share uh, for a company that's earning uh, $1 per share profit, it would take 15 years of those earnings to get your money back. So a dollar a year for 15 years would come back to your uh, $15 share price. Now, obviously, um, you wouldn't expect a company to be stagnant for 15 years without increased earnings, but that's a simple way of just sort of uh, putting inside your head how uh, we can value or how you place a value on a, a multiple or a price to earnings ratio. Going back to the example of the two widget companies I just uh, said a minute ago, let's take a little bit deeper dive to help understand this concept uh, in a little more clarity. Um, if widget company A, as I mentioned, is trading at $10 a share, if they have a dollar uh, of earnings per share, then you simply take that formula, divide $10 by one, and you have a PE ratio of 10. Now, Widget Co. Company B, this was trading, remember, at $50 a share, but they earned $6 per share in earnings. So if you take your $50 share price, you divide it by earnings or EPS of $6, you're going to come up with a PE ratio of 8.33. Looking at this simple math example, 8.33 obviously is less than 10. So you're going to be able to say roughly that B is a cheaper uh, investment, a cheaper company. If all else is equal, then uh, that would give you uh, that would be a good application of the price to earnings ratio. But again, as I said, it's never that simple. Going back to the actual formula itself, using Pepsi as the example, we can see that they're currently trading at a share price of $155.43. Their last reported earnings per share is $5.94 per share. So if you simply take the 155, you divide it by the 594, you're going to come up with a 26.2 as the current price to earnings ratio. So when you're looking at you know, how to do the calculation, it seems really simple. Uh, you take your share price, you divide it by the EPS, and you have your EPS. It's really not quite as straightforward as that. Main reason being is there are two different uh, types of periods that you can use when you're looking at the earnings. There's called trailing earnings, and there's, there's called forward earnings. So in trailing earnings, you're going to often hear or, or see the, the acronym TTM, which is the tr uh, trailing 12 months. Um, Coifin, the charting I'm using here, uses um, next, or sorry, last 12 months in this case. So they all mean basically from the most recent re uh, reporting period and before that. You're also going to commonly see and apply what are called forward earnings, so the next 12 months. And often this can give you a, a better or a quite a different picture, and we'll look at some examples today of how if you look at the earnings that are expected to occur versus the earnings that have actually occurred. Neither of those are perfect. In the uh, previous trailing um, numbers, the previous reported numbers, of course, we all know that there are accounting uh, shenanigans, I would say, but there are ways that companies can um, make the books in a, in a period look better following the laws, following the rules, but without digging deep into a financial statement, you might be misled as to what those actual numbers are. That can skew the PE a little bit. Um, or going forward, you're relying on guidance from the company, you're relying on analyst expectations or your own calculations that show from this point on, what do we expect the earnings to be? And that's the number that would be used going into uh, the, the calculations and to create the uh, the EPS number or the, um, the PE number. Going back to our Pepsi example and using the price to earnings ratios on the on the charting here, we're going to look at, you know, we just calculated the current 
uh, ratio of 26.2, 26.3, you'll notice the LTM beside the PE, and that means last 12 months. So this is what I was talking about, the, uh, the trailing. So this is based on uh, the income previous months. I've also overlaid now the next 12 months or the forward PE and we'll notice that that PE ratio is now is 24.3. So it's lower than the trailing 12 months and this is quite common that you're going to see a discrepancy between these two numbers. I'm going to just now add the earnings per share estimates. So this is what the next 12 months is, is being calculated on. And the analysts are expecting that the earnings per share are going to go from 5.94 today up to 6.41. So when you do the math on that, you take the 155 share price, you divide it by the 641, you're going to end up with a PE ratio of 24.3 versus the 26.3 that came about on our original calculation. Now, Pepsi is a pretty steady company with steady revenues. And so you didn't see a huge gap in the uh, forward versus the trailing. But that's not always the case. In a recent uh, video we did on this channel regarding monthly dividend income, we looked at a company called Realty Income Corp. And the ticker for that is O. And it trades on the, on the U.S. exchange. A very uh, astute, very alert um uh, viewer didn't just say, oh, I'm going to go buy that. Uh, obviously, she was doing her due diligence. And Nazifa left a comment, the PE of Realty Income is 73. How could that be okay? And that's a very legitimate question because she was saying this seems like a high uh, price to earnings ratio. Is there something I should be aware of? Let's look at a chart for this company now that shows the uh, two PE ratios. Uh, one is for the last 12 months or the trailing 12 months, which is currently at 72.2. And let's compare that to the PE ratio for the next 12 months or the forward PE of 46.5. And in this case, unlike Pepsi, you see a significant difference uh, in those two ratios. So which one do you use? Let's look back at the earnings of uh, realty income over the last five years or so. One of the things that you're going to notice is that the, the earnings per share on a quarterly basis came in pretty consistently between the 25 cents and 35 cents range. You will also notice there's a quarter that just stands out here, uh, which was seven cents per share. So the earnings dropped from that higher range down to seven cents per share. If I zoom into that period, you're going to see the earnings per share went from 31 cents down to seven, back up to 33, 26, and then 33 in the most recent period. Now, just before those earnings were, um, were reported, you look at the trailing and the forward PE ratios were essentially the same. As soon as those numbers came out, which shows that drop in income, the uh, you'll see this big divergence. The orange line is the last 12 months and the blue line is the next 12 months. And you can see how the last 12 months ratio uh, went up significantly higher. This is uh, this makes sense because the uh, it's based on reported numbers. So that seven cent month or quarter had to be included in that calculation. That makes the price look that much higher. However, a lot of astute investors uh, looked at this and said, you know, how long is this going to last? Is it a one-time blip or is this something that, you know, there's a fundamental material change in the company? And as you can see by the blue line, as it goes forward, the, the forward uh, P.E. ratio numbers remained at a much lower uh, level. We'll see a, a blip again uh, when uh, the company reported at the end of March of this year. Exact same thing. Uh, net income was reported lower, 
the last 12 months went higher because now it had both of those last reporting periods in there and the uh, the next 12 months were expected the analysts the the people doing the you know the number crunching suspected that this uh, is not going to continue things seem to be somewhat back to normal and as you can see by the 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 price chart the price change over the last year uh, they have been you know the, the people who didn't panic and the people who uh, didn't just see that high PE ratio and run for the hills uh, were able to capitalize on the growth there. I think using Pepsi and Realty Income are a couple of pretty good examples of how you actually take that number, do the math on it, but then apply it to real life uh, situations because it's not always as straightforward as, as it seems. I mentioned earlier that that a PE ratio is what's called a relative valuation. And it is relative to both the current situation the company sees themselves, uh, but it's also very, very useful at looking at how it uh, compares against past benchmarks. A PE ratio can be used to analyze a company against a specific sector that it operates in. Uh, it can be used uh, against its own history to see how it's doing compared to uh, how it normally does. And it can also be used um, uh, against uh, directly against some peers that you might be considering, you know, stock A or stock B, maybe bank A, bank B. Let's look at a couple of examples of how, um, how you would apply it in a case like this. I'm going to start by using the company Merck, which of course is you know, a large pharmaceutical company based out of the US. And if we look at the price to earnings gap for the trailing 12 months, so this is looking backwards, you're going to see that they are currently trading at a price to earnings ratio of 31.14. So first of all, let's compare that against the sector. We can see that the sector median is currently 35.62. You might say then in isolation well this appears that this company is undervalued compared to uh, to its peers and uh, in isolation that would probably be accurate let's now look at uh, to, to sort of further the discussion let's look at how we can use that pe ratio to compare where merck is today to where they normally are so again looking at the chart we see they're at 31.14 today when we look at their five-year average of 42.2 this shows us that it, uh, it sort of highlights that they are trading, I would say significantly, I mean, they're trading 26% under their normal five-year range. If I'm looking at this as an investor and I'm looking to see, you know, should I be picking up some shares of, of Merck, all else being equal, I see this as a real signal that this uh, company would warrant some, uh, some further look. Now, let's take it to the next level and say, we've decided we do want to invest in the pharmaceutical space and we're trying to decide between Merck and one of their big competitors, Pfizer. I'm gonna put Pfizer's information on the screen here at the same time. Going back to where we started, the PE gap for the trailing 12 months for Merck is 31.14. Pfizer, do the math, is currently trading at, or is currently valued at 21.09. In isolation, again, if you're looking here, you would say, wow, it seems like Pfizer is in fact um, undervalued relative to Merck. Looking at the next uh, metric here, you look at Pfizer compared to their uh, five-year longer-term average. Well, they're trading 21.09 as a metric right now. Their price-to-earnings ratio or a five-year average is uh, 19.65. So they're actually uh, currently around 7% higher than what they normally trade at. Hmm, that uh, adds another element of uh, almost confusion or adds to the picture here because even though they are trading under uh, the value that Merck is, they are trading over where they normally are 
you could use this PE ratio to say Merck certainly seems to have more upside potential um, than, uh, than Pfizer does right now based on their own track history. So this is another example of how you can use the price earnings ratio to compare relative to a company itself, a company to uh, compare it to a sector or compare it to one of its competitors or one of its peers when you're making your investment decisions. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Let's move on now to uh, the advantages and disadvantages of using the PE ratio. Uh, first of all, the advantages. The biggest advantage I think of using the PE ratio is it's, it's quick, it's easy. Um, I use it all the time for my first level of screening. If you're trying to find the, key, the PE ratio, it's very easy to calculate. You take the price divided by the earnings per share, uh, you're done there. But pretty much every investment site that you're going to look at, if you look up a stock quote, most pages are gonna have that PE ratio right on the front screen. Now. In, uh, it's important to be aware the vast majority do report the trailing 12 months as opposed to the, the forward PE ratio. As long as you understand that, you can use that tool effectively. Uh, very, very simple to compute. Also, it's very easy, as we just looked at, to compare it to other companies. So um, there, there is a, it's an it's a easy uh, flat number that you can use for your, uh, your uh, valuation comparisons right out of the gate. Those are kind of the, the, the advantages of the, uh, of the PE ratio. It also has a number of limitations. Like all ratios, number one, it can't be used in isolation. Um, if you look at a price to earnings ratio and you, and you see it's low, uh, you, um, it's an indicator that it may be undervalued, but you just can't simply go out and make a purchase based on that because there may be other factors. For example, the fact that a PE ratio is low Maybe the market has picked up on something. Maybe there's some trouble brewing in the company. And so you're going to uh, want to uh, make sure you dive deeper than just simply going uh, low, uh, low PE equals value. It doesn't. If a company is showing a high price to earnings ratio, does that mean the company is overvalued? Typically, that's uh, one of the first things that come to mind, especially if it's way out of the range of its competitors. It may be a, a, a signal that you don't want to get involved in this company. However, not always the case. There are circumstances that you need to dig a little deeper and say a high price to earnings ratio might be justified given other factors. One of the factors is, uh, we mentioned earlier, um, is the, the uh, growth of the, of the earnings. So, uh, and this is maybe a good chance for you to, to add to the, if you haven't already uh, commented or, or left your vote on what the next video should, should be, the peg ratio, the price to earnings to growth, factors in uh, the growth as well. And it may be used to justify a, a higher price to earnings ratio not always the case. Another limitation um, there, because you have a numerator and a denominator in this calculation, if you don't have a denominator, you can't do the calculation. Uh, an example of that would be uh, if there's no earnings 
uh, there's no earnings number. And that would be the case, for example, on an IPO. So if a company has just initially gone public, they haven't reported publicly yet, you're going to have the numerator, you're going to know the share price, but you're not going to be able to uh, do the math to calculate what uh, what the, um, the earnings per share would be because there aren't any yet. Another very common um, challenge you have in a PE ratio is when the company has losses. Uh, the, you know, you're gonna have a negative number and technically you can have a negative price to earnings ratio. It's very commonly not used. Usually if you have a negative ratio, so a company has, has lost in a quarter or in a year and you do the price divided by a negative number, it's just gonna show NA or zero. Um, we're gonna look at, a, at an example of that just in a moment here. So that's a limitation because you, you're not gonna be able to see um, uh, what, what that number is. That said, the fact that a company is losing money, of course, doesn't mean that it is necessarily a bad investment. It's often the case. But we're going to use exam uh, Amazon as an example here of a company that for years and years lost money. Um, however, we all know how they're doing now. Let's look at this chart that shows a period of, of about five years from uh, uh, 2012 through to 2017. And you can see on the bottom part of this chart for most of those quarterly, uh, the uh, most of those years, the earnings were either very, very low or they were operating at a loss. And because of this, if you look at the orange line, which is the, the trailing 12 month price to earnings ratio, you will see a huge gap in there from uh, around you know middle to late 2012, right through till uh, early 2016, with the exception of a very little blip there, because they were losing money, that PE ratio wasn't being reported and you weren't able to, you weren't able to, um, to get that number to do your evaluation. Now we all know how this story ends, and if we expand that time frame out to, uh, to t a 10 year chart, you're going to see obviously on the, the bottom part in the green bars, as the uh, net earnings started to grow and grow and grow, uh, you saw a couple of things. You saw the orange line, uh, you saw that price to earnings ratio go from in the 400 range down to around 57 and a half today. That makes sense, earnings were going up. You'll also notice, of course, a um, significant in price, uh, increase in the price of Amazon. So this is sort of one of those examples of how the fact that there's a, uh, it's a limitation of the price to earnings ratio. It doesn't mean that you can't actually use it. Uh, I think I touched on this earlier, but another thing that comes to mind is just the reliability of the numbers that you're using is a limitation. Uh, trailing 12 months, you're relying on the uh, reporting of the company itself. Uh, and you know you, our standards are pretty good, but um, the companies can manipulate those numbers. Or of course, if you're using a forward price to earnings ratio and you're using uh, the company's guidance, that can be somewhat misleading. Um, you're, you're trusting what they're having to say. You're relying on the estimates of analysts. So there's nothing uh, written yet. Uh, it's just a projection, uh, but it's a very, very commonly used, uh, the, the forward earnings. So um, there are limitations just to be aware of. They both work, uh, but just be careful with, uh, with those numbers as well. Uh, I want to talk now about some traps, I would call them. And, and these are common things that people sort of fall into when they're using price to earnings ratios in their analysis. I want to look at how to spot them and, and how to defend yourself against them. The first and sort of most commonly used term is it's called a value trap. And this is when people see that low PE for all the reasons we just spoke about and jump on an, an opportunity because they feel that there must be, you know, there must be good value uh, in a company that has such a low PE. Uh, low PE does not equal value. Uh, you have to do your due diligence beyond this. 
Uh, I use it as a screening method, but you can't just look at that and, and you know and, and uh, take a take a position in a stock. You have to look for things that may be wrong that are causing legitimately that number to be low. So that's one of the traps people fall into is uh, making a decision too quickly without doing their proper due diligence. The flip side to a value trap would be what I would call a growth trap. And uh, the trap here is you look at a company with a high price to earnings ratio and you disregard it because it, you know, it doesn't make sense. It looks like it's way overvalued. But if you look at the growth of a company, it may justify that number as long as the growth is strong and consistent. I'm just gonna use um, Tesla as an example today we look at this chart, you will see that the growth rate for Tesla in the last five years has been 31.25% um, compounding growth. They've recently traded with a price to earnings ratio in the 200 range, which by you know most estimates is far too high. You'll see that has come down to about 112 now that the earnings are starting to be reflected. So that's a normal cycle that you're going to see um, in, in a company like this, which is a new company growing. You're going to see some uncertainty, I would say. Now, if this growth rate is not sustained, then you may have a problem because uh, you know that, that number is gonna start creeping up again. But, um, but it is something to be aware of that you don't just automatically write off a high PE company uh, because uh, there may be reasons to justify that. The next item to be aware of, I don't really know if it's a trap or not, but if a company is uh, big on buying back their shares, when you buy back shares, uh, you, you have fewer of them. So a dollar of earnings is gonna be divided by fewer shares. So the earnings per share is going to go up. You may have a situation where you have no fundamental change to the company whatsoever. Let's say that's neutral, but with fewer shares, you're gonna have that earnings per share go up. That's going to produce mathematically a lower price to earnings ratio. So not the end of the world, but it's something that um, that you should be aware of when you're looking a little bit deeper to make sure that there's something more than just uh, stock buybacks. It doesn't necessarily mean that the company is uh, is doing better or actually earning more uh, more profit per share. A couple more of the, you know, the misses. Uh, be aware that industries vary widely. So when you're making a comparison between two companies, you have to be aware of what industries they operate in. And if I just use the examples I used earlier of Pfizer um, and Realty Income Corporation, you'll see that Pfizer is trading with a PE of around uh, 11 right now. And Realty uh, Income Corporation is trading at a uh, PE of around 47. So if you looked at this in isolation, you could think that uh, Pfizer is way cheaper than, uh, than Realty Income. However, uh, understanding what you know now, if you look at their compare against their peers, if you compared Pfizer, uh, Pfizer to a Merck or you know a Eli Lilly, that type of company, you're going to see a much narrower band that they operate in uh, as far as the PE ratio is concerned. Conversely, if you compare uh, Realty Income to uh, other REITs, you're going to see typically they're uh, trading with a much higher uh, price to earnings ratio for a number of other reasons. You know, most you know quite notably because of the way that their accounting works, and so they have a large amount of depreciation amortization uh, on their books. So that's going to artificially lower their price, uh, or their uh, their earnings per share rather, and that's going to result in a, in a higher PE. You're going to see that on a regular basis. Be careful of that trap. Uh, a peak earnings trap is another thing. Um, under the best conditions, a lot of companies have. Uh, periods of time where they have large income, large cash flows, large earnings per share. And most astute vest investors are gonna pick up on this, but it's not unheard of that investors would, would look at a PE that has um, 
dropped because earnings have gone up in a period of time and you know consider that to be undervalued and probably a vivid example of that would be a company like H&R Block who of course are very seasonal and when you look at their earnings per share on a quarterly quarterly basis I mean year in year out they lose money for three quarters then they make all of their money of course during tax time their income is very very lumpy and so you're going to see that PE ratio uh, move quite dramatically, uh, especially on the uh, on the trailing version of the calculation. Uh, hopefully, not so much on the on the future, but on the trailing, you're certainly going to see a lot of volatility. There's something to be aware of. Lastly, uh, for the purposes of what we're talking about today, uh, major events that a company, an announcement, a purchase, a merger, etc., can affect um, the price to earnings ratio quite dramatically. And we have to keep in mind that. Uh, Earnings are recorded uh, quarterly, whereas prices are you know, every day or every second of every day that the markets are open. So you're going to see that calculation at any given point in time be misleading. And I'm going to look um, at Moderna as the example I'll use here today. And if we look at their chart over the last um, couple of years, prior to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, Moderna didn't make any money. They lost uh, money quarter after quarter but of course with their vaccine they've all of a sudden become very profitable and you see a very steep increase in their profit from losses up to currently uh, just under seven dollars per share looking at their price to earnings ratio when the data were there to actually calculate that number it was around 320 or so uh, when we look back to late last year as their earnings have been calc uh, come into the calculation, you're gonna see that number go right down to a current ratio of approximately nine or about 8.5 uh, price to earnings ratio. Now, does this mean that uh, a company you know, is, is very, very cheap because they went from 300 down to nine on the price earnings? That is a trap just waiting to, to, um, to be set. Not that Moderna might not continue with those numbers, but certainly those are very, very skewed because of the exceptional circumstances. Um, they have yet to prove that going forward, you know, they're going to be able to uh, continue to earn, earn those profits. And time will tell on that. Uh, obviously a company like this, there's a lot more that needs to be done for it to uh, analyze whether you're gonna put your money into it or not than just looking simply at that price to earnings ratio, which in a case like this, the special circumstances can be very misleading. Let me summarize. I think the price to earnings ratio can be a very, very valuable ratio. One of the most commonly used, most important ratios that we look at, but certainly for all the reasons we've discussed today, it's not 100% accurate. You have to combine this with many other ratios um, that are many other metrics or many other uh, ways of looking at a company before you make a decision on buying or selling. This is a very good tool, but it certainly isn't a silver bullet because there just aren't any of those out there. Uh, for this video, last chance to vote, uh, price earnings to growth for the next video or price to book uh, for the next video. Both very important um, metrics, important ratios. Uh, I will uh, add up your votes and uh, make the next uh, ratio video based on that. If you feel this is something, this uh, type of information that, um, you know, because the PE ratio is so widely used, it's also very widely misused. If you know anybody who is an investor you feel might be able to benefit from this video, feel free to forward it to them. I really would appreciate that and spread the word. Um, lastly, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the video, uh, beneath I have the link to Coifin. If you're interested in learning more about the Coifin platform and how you can chart and analyze your companies, uh, feel free to check that out below. And uh, our investing academy, the first link down below, uh, has an invest uh, link for that. And uh, we'd love to have you join. We're, we're, um, we're adding to the features of the academy literally on a monthly basis and uh, just adding value to our students. So we'd love to have you uh, check that out as well. Uh, I will wrap up this video. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in the next video.